Welcome back to our study of the Psalms. We are looking at Psalm 20 today. Uh, and as we do so, I want you to think about the fact that sometimes uh, we don't know what something is about until it's over, whether that's a movie or a book or a story somebody is telling. Uh, sometimes we think we know what's going on in the early stages of that story, but it's not until we get to the end that all the pieces come together and we finally realize what everything had been about all along. And once that happens, once we understand what the point of the story has been, we don't want to hold on to our first impressions of what we think the story was about, but now that we know that those were incorrect. And the reason why I bring that up is because Psalm 20 is a song where we really don't know what it's about until we get to the very last line. We get some hints along the way, but at the beginning it's kind of vague and seems rather general. But by the time we get to the end, it turns out it's actually very specific. And grasping that point is very important for how we understand this psalm and for what we do with it. So Psalm 20 says, to the choir master, a psalm of David. All right, so this is one where we are specifically told that David wrote this psalm. And he says this, May the Lord answer you in the day of trouble. May the name of the God of Jacob protect you. May he send you help from the sanctuary and give you support from Zion. May he remember all your offerings and regard with favor your burnt sacrifices. May he grant you your heart's desire and fulfill all your plans. May we shout for joy over your salvation. And in the name of our God, set up our banners. May the Lord fulfill all your petitions. Now, let's pause there. Here's what we don't know as we read the beginning of this psalm. We don't know who David is talking about. He keeps using the word you over and over and over. Right? May the Lord answer you in the day of trouble. Well, who is he talking about? Who is he asking that God would answer? when this person, whoever he or she may be, is in trouble. Who is he talking about? Well, he's not talking about you. He's not talking about me. He's not talking about us, at least not primarily. There is a connection to us, and we'll see what that is later. But often our default is to think uh, if we're reading something and the person we're reading is saying, you, 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 that we think, well, he must be talking about me. But we're going to find out at the end of this psalm, he's definitely not talking about us, at least not primarily. So who is he talking about? Well, again, we'll see in a moment, but first let's note what he's saying. He's praying, he's asking for this person, whoever he is, to be saved by God, for God to deliver them. And he talks about this deliverance, this salvation in multiple ways. Verse 1, um, he's asking that, God deliver you in the day of trouble. So if you're in a time of trouble, you need to be delivered. You need to be saved. He says, may God do that. May God answer you when you call, when you're in trouble. May the name of the God of Jacob protect you, right? So may God uh, defend you, protect you, preserve you, those kinds of things. May he send help from the sanctuary, give you support from Zion. So giving support, uh, sending you help, those are also ways of Rescuing, saving, delivering, preserving, protecting. When he says, may he remember all your offerings and regard with favor your burnt sacrifices. He's not saying, when he says remember, he's not saying, uh, you know, just hope God doesn't forget about the fact that you've offered all these sacrifices. No, in the Bible, when God remembers something, it's not that he's 
forgotten it, it's that he is now going to act on it. Uh, the clearest example, perhaps, or at least the, the one that comes to the forefront of my mind, is uh, in the story of Noah and the flood, where I think it's at the beginning of Genesis chapter 8, where it says that God remembered Noah. And it's not that God forgot that Noah was in the boat. Uh, it's not that God forgot that there was a family of people out there in the flood. When God remembered Noah, he began to act. He began to I think send the wind to disperse the water and and so forth. So when God remembers, he's going to act on what he knows, right? That's what it's talking about. So he's basically saying, you know, may God act on, act in response to the sacrifices that you've given. And then he says, may, uh, you know, may he regard with favor your burnt sacrifices. So remember that um, Cain and Abel offered sacrifices and God accepted Abel's, but not Cain's. Right. Abel's was received favorably and Cain's was not. So he's saying, may your offerings, your sacrifices be regarded with favor by God. Um, and then he says, uh, he tells us, he shows us, right, that the fate, uh, so to speak, of the we is tied to the fate, so to speak, of the you that he's addressing. Right. So. Verse 4, he says, may, you, may he grant you your heart's desire and fulfill all your plans. Right? God's only going to do that if those desires and plans are good. Uh, we may come back to what some of those, heart, those desires and plans might be in a moment. But in verse 5, he says, may we shout for joy over your salvation. And in the name of our God, set up our banners. May the Lord fulfill all your petitions. Why would we rejoice over your salvation. Well, apparently, if you, whoever you is in this psalm, if you are saved, if you are delivered, if you are rescued, that's also good news for us. And so we are going to rejoice too. And we'll see why that connection is there uh, when we find out who David's talking about. And it's coming soon, all right? So hang in there with me. All right, now verse six. Uh, now I know that the Lord saves his anointed. He will answer him from his holy heaven with the saving might of his right hand. Some trust in chariots and some in horses, but we trust in the name of the Lord our God. They collapse and fall, but we rise and stand upright. O Lord, save the king. May he answer us when we call. All right, so now David is expressing his confidence that God will save, God will deliver, specifically the anointed king. Right, so verse 6, he mentions this person. Now I know that the Lord saves his anointed. This is who David has been talking about when he's been using the word you in the earlier part of this psalm. He's praying that God would rescue, that God would deliver, that God would hear the prayers of, that God would regard the sacrifices of his anointed. Um, and specifically, his anointed king. Kings were not the only figures that were anointed in the Old Testament, but that's who David is talking about here. And ultimately, that means he's talking about Jesus, because Jesus is the ultimate anointed one, which is what the word Messiah and what the word Christ both mean. They mean anointed one. Jesus is the Christ, the anointed one. He's the Messiah, the anointed one. So David is praying that God would save 
the uh, his anointed king. And now he's saying in verse 6, I know that he will. This is what God does. Um, he says, he will answer him from his holy heaven with the saving might of his right hand. So God is going to hear. God is going to respond. God is going to save his anointed, his king. And when David is praying this, he probably has uh, in mind his son Solomon, or at least a near descendant of his. So he, David was promised by God that one of his sons would sit on his throne and that God would establish his kingdom forever. Right, so the, the son that sat on David's throne immediately after David was his son Solomon. And remember, uh, Solomon is the one who God allowed to build the temple there in Jerusalem. David had wanted to, he desired to do it, but God didn't allow him to. Perhaps that's what David has in mind in verse 4, when he says, may he grant you your heart's desire and fulfill all your plans, right? And God didn't, didn't allow me to fulfill this desire and this hope, this plan that I had, wanted to, wanting to build a temple, but perhaps he will allow you to. And of course, God did allow Solomon to do that. Um, and so perhaps David is expressing confidence uh, and hope, right, about what God will do for Solomon. But of course, ultimately, that promise is fulfilled not in Solomon, but in Jesus. Solomon doesn't reign forever. He does sit on David's throne, but his kingdom doesn't last forever. Uh, in fact, after Solomon's death, uh, the kingdom he reigned over is divided into Israel and Judah, the north and the south. Ultimately, the fulfillment of this promise to David is in Jesus, the Messiah. And of course, God, God does grant Jesus' heart's desire and fulfill his plans. Um, God does deliver him, right? We'll talk about how uh, in just a moment. But verse 7, when he says, some trust in chariots and some in horses, but we trust in the name of the Lord our God. He seems to be saying, we trust in the name of our God because... We know what he's going to do. Verse 6, he's going to save his anointed. And by the way, if we go back to verse 5, why is the we tied to the you? Why do we rejoice when you are delivered? The reason is because the fate of the nation, of the people, is tied to the fate of the king. Right? If God rescues the king, he rescues the people, generally speaking. Right? When the kings were bad and wicked, what happened? They were sent into exile. Right? When the kings were good and led the people toward God and they turned away from idols, that was good for the people, right? So um, the people are saying, we, right, through David, we rejoice when God delivers you and God rescues you because that's good for us. That means God's also delivering us. Um, and because we know that God is going to rescue his anointed, verse 6, that's where we're putting our trust, in the God who can save his anointed king, not in how many horses and how many chariots our anointed king has. It's not the military that will rescue our king, our nation, right? It's it's not that. It's God who can rescue us. That's what David uh, is praying and, and through this psalm teaching the people of Israel to pray. Uh, verse 80 says, they collapse and fall, but we rise and stand upright. There, he's probably talking about those who do trust in chariots. And horses, or he might be talking about the chariots and horses themselves. And probably the people who trust in them, they end up collapsing and falling. But we who trust in the Lord, David's talking about, we rise and stand upright. And in verse 9, he has his final prayer O Lord, save the king. May he answer us 
when we call. So he's asking God, save the king, which is what this whole psalm is about. We don't really get the full story until the end. God, save the king, and also save us, answer us, rescue us. Now, why do those two things go together, both in verse 9 and in verse 5? Again, because what happens to the king happens to the people who belong to the king. And that's not only true in the Old Testament, right, when the people were being led by a king, but it's also true of us who belong to King Jesus, because what God has done for Jesus counts for us, right? Jesus's death, where he bore our sins, counts for us so that our sins are forgiven. Jesus's resurrection, where God raised him from the dead on the third day, that secures for us our resurrection at Christ's return, right? Jesus, through his death and resurrection, secures for us eternal salvation, forgiveness of sin, reconciliation with God. Paul says in Ephesians 2 that we are seated with him at God's right hand, right? Or I think he says they're um, in heavenly places, right? But that's where Jesus is in those heavenly places, is at God's right hand. What happens for Jesus, what God has done for Jesus, uh, is applies to us, right? It's, it's for us, for our salvation, for our benefit as well. So when we think about Psalm 20 and Jesus, we know that Psalm 20 is ultimately about Jesus because Jesus is the ultimate anointed king, right? The Messiah. We know that God delivered Jesus as David prayed. God would deliver his anointed one. God did deliver Jesus, not from death in the sense that he didn't ever die, but from death in the sense that death did not hold him, but he was raised from the dead um, and lives forevermore, right? Never to die again. Uh, we know that that deliverance was not only for Jesus, but for us, as David ties those things together. Uh, and it is because of Jesus, because of what God has done in delivering Jesus, that we trust in God, right? Just as he says, you know, I know that the Lord saves his anointed. So we trust, and then he says, but we trust in the name of the Lord our God. Uh, we trust in God because, in large part, because of what we've seen him do through Jesus, because of his faithfulness uh, to and through his son. And um, so God rescues us who belong to Jesus, right? As he rescued Jesus, as he raised Jesus from the dead, he will one day raise us as well. So we can pray uh, Psalm 20 by praying for deliverance, right? The Psalm is not about us, but it does teach us how to pray. God has already delivered Jesus. We don't need to pray for God to do that again, but we do need to pray for him to deliver us as he has delivered Jesus. It's good for us in prayer to confess our trust in God, just like David did. Some trust in chariots, some in horses. But we trust in the name of the Lord our God. It's good in prayer to say, God, we trust you. We're putting our hope in you. We're putting our trust in you. That's a good way to pray, a good thing to pray. Um, we can ask God to answer us when we call upon him. And David talks about that in the psalm. Answer us when we call upon you. Answer us in the day of trouble. It's good to ask God to do that. And finally, it's good to base all of this on Jesus, to tie it all to Jesus. And essentially, that's what we're doing when we pray in Jesus's name. We're saying we ask this not because of who we are, but because of who Jesus is. We believe it's in line with who Jesus is, what Jesus would want. And um, based on what this psalm is saying, um, it can help us think also about saying that in terms of, you know, we're asking you to do this for us as you did it for Jesus. And because you did it for Jesus, and we belong to Jesus. So I hope that helps you. 
Uh, it's a wonderful psalm, and uh, God bless.